Hey, um, so thank you, Mia, if you can bring up that slide for us. Time, Time magazine. Uh, they trotted out their annual Time 100, you know, the most influential people of 2021, the 100 most influential people of 2021. And uh, there's, there's all sorts of people there. There's, there's people like, there's innovators like Elon Musk. There are, are political leaders. Uh, President Donald Trump was heavily influential in 2021. Uh, President of the People's Republic of China, Xi Jinping, also. Uh, Kamala Harris, the first female vice president of the US, the first African-American, first Asian-American vice president of the US. Also on that list were artists like Scarlett Johansson and Britney Spears, who were involved in, in massive legal battles at the time. Lil Nas X, the rapper. I know, don't pretend you don't know who that was. <laughs> Lil Nas X was there. NFL quarterback Tom Brady was there. Royals, Prince Harry and Meghan, Duke and Duchess of, of Sussex. So sports stars, political leaders, poets, artists, directors, all these these people, celebrities, and that was, that was Time's list of the top 100 most influential people of 2021. And massive people, you know, had a huge influence. But as we come a little bit closer to the centre of our lives, I don't know about you, but a lot of the Tom Brady wasn't that influential in my life in 2021. <laughs> sure, he doesn't know who I am, <laughs> but he wasn't that influential, and and so for me, one of the, uh, you know, we would all have our own list of the top 100 people who would be the most influential. For me, you know, for me, one of the most influential people, one of the key people who would be missing from my list of most influential people of 2021 or any year would be my mum. And, and for many of, many of us here, that would be true, likely your mum. You know, and, 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 and let's face it, you know, into the polarizing that we have on social media. Oh, you're talking about mums, what about? Yeah, we, we're not denying the value of dads or grandparents or other loving people in your lives. But we can love mums and dads. Hey, we can, you, can, you can do all that at once. We can have all these different truths at once. But in this moment, we remember mothers. And we acknowledge mothers. And we acknowledge that for some, the, 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 you know, the. The, uh, the vibe, there's these negative feelings or experiences, and we acknowledge that, and we validate that. But there's a, the, the general vibe for people, I think, is that for many people, thoughts of their mother conjure up powerful and positive memories and feelings of love. Would that be a fair thought? Uh, I've been reading American poet and civil rights activist Maya Angelou, if any of you have read it. She wrote this about her mother. To describe my mother would be to write about a hurricane in its perfect power. <laughs> oh man, I, I read this, I've just finished reading her book, Mum and Me and Mum, and she talks about her, her journey. Amazing, amazing journey with her mother. Grew up in a tumultuous period of, of US history. Or actor Denzel Washington credits his mother with his success. He says, my mother never gave up on me. I messed up at school so much they were sending me home, but my mother sent me right back. <laughs> In one interview, he reflected, what would have happened to me had it not been for my mother? You know, and I was thinking of the, the I think he would agree with Celine Dion in that line, I'm everything I am because you loved me, mum. Celine Dion, she sings that. I'm everything I am, it's true. You ever listen to that song? Everything. You don't know, eh? No, sorry. <laughs> Apparently, there's a Spanish proverb that goes, 
an ounce of mother is worth a ton of priests. Hard to argue with that, eh? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so mother, mothers, motherhood, it's, it's precious and valuable, amen? And, but, but, but let's face it, mumming is a tough gig. Yes, mumming is a verb. I just created it for the language. It's a tough gig. And, and I was chatting with my mum just recently, and, and she was sharing about how she would enter the hallowed sanctuary of the bathroom or the toilet just to get five minutes peace from us when she was little. And then, and then she got on a roll, and she, shared a, she said, you know, when you were three, I got a call from the school down the road. And they said, is Simon your son? They said, yes. And they said, oh, we have him here. And she said, no, no, you don't. He's in bed. He's asleep. And, you know, uh, Mission Impossible styles, I jimmied the window and climbed out the window, apparently, and walked down to the school and told them that my mum had said that if I ever get lost, to call a policeman, because I wanted to get a ride in a police car, (laughs) which clearly made sense to my three-year-old brain, but I don't know what I would have done. Poor woman. God bless her for what she went through, you know? Poor woman. But she was, she was sharing all of these stories, she, you know. And then we, we, uh, we went on and we chatted a bit about a sermon by Nancy Ortberg entitled The Jekyll and Hyde of Motherhood. <clears throat> and and which she, uh, Nancy Ortberg shares about how motherhood brings out the best, the Jekyll, and the worst, the Hyde, in her. And, and if the, the, the image comes from a, a great Robert Louis Stevenson book, great author, Wrote some great, he wrote Treasure Island and Kidnapped, but he also wrote this book, uh, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where there's this guy who's Dr. Jekyll, refined, you know, buttoned up Victorian morals, great figure, but he'd take this potion and he'd turn into the evil, sinister Mr. Hyde. So both the good and the bad, both those personas residing in the one person, you know, and so, so this idea of Jekyll and Hyde. And so she shares about how when she became a mother, She found the Jekyll in her, the wonderful, selfless person. She says, for the first time, uh, there was a person in my life that I loved more than I loved myself. I was doing unselfish things because I wanted to. I was becoming a patient and kind, calm, reasonable, generous, thoughtful, loving person. I thought, this is a good thing, this person who's emerging. I loved being a mum. But then she notes that there was this other person who would come out sometimes as a mother. And my mum and, and I, we were chatting about this. And, and this someone had her saying, who is this person and how can I make her go away? And Nancy shares about a time when she had a three-year-old, a two-year-old and a baby, infant. And she wakes up and the baby Johnny's clinging to her and won't let her go. So she has to hold on to baby Johnny the whole time. And while this is going on, the two-year-old's in the toilet just pulling all the toilet paper down. And then going and pulling all the books off the shelf and tearing pages out. And, and then the three-year-old's going, Mum, I want to play Candyland. And Nancy Oldberg says, I hate Candyland. I don't want to play Candyland. And, and there's this pile of dirty laundry that's threatening to overwhelm her. And there's no food in the house, so she has to go to the supermarket. <laughs> and so she, she takes the three kids with her shopping. And so at the shop, she's got the baby clinging to her, toddlers in the grocery cart, three-year-olds hearing up and down the aisles, and the grocery cart's so full that she has to kick the packet of nappies along the ground. <laughs> this is what she's saying. 
And in the toilet paper section, she's just holding back tears. So back at home, she unloads the groceries. She makes lunch while the ice cream melts. Then she takes the kids to the park just before rest time. And she says, taking the kids to the park, or three kids to the park, is not fun. I keep counting. One, two, three. You arrive with three. You've got to leave with three. So she's stressed out. So by the time she got home, these are her words. I hated myself. Hated my kids. I put them in their rooms and shut the doors. Of course, none of them slept. And I went to the garage and I cried. I just thought I was going to lose my mind. I felt like I was becoming an impatient, frazzled, rude, angry, frustrated mum. Not all mums are like that. You know, I felt like I was splitting into two people. Not all mums are like that. I know mums who are patient and kind towards their children almost all the time. I admire them. I don't like them, but I admire them. But that's not me. And so Nancy Ortberg, but she finishes with this. Again, these are her words. But just when you think you've got God figured out, he goes outside the lines. He meets you in a hundred different ways. And he does something amazing by telling you that he loves you, even with that hide creature living inside you. And God is interested in redeeming that creature and changing it. And if you're honest, you can say that Hyde lives in you. He lives in me. I know, I know I, Simon can say that. But the good news is that Jekyll, the good, lives there too. And I celebrate that person who is like God. You know, and that's true for every one of us. And so, you know, it was great chatting through that with mum, and she's just nodding as we, we're talking away. And so as mums, my mum's watching this. Hello, mum. Love you. And to all the mums out there. You know, God bless you. But, but it's true of every one of us, isn't it? That hide and that jekyll. That propensity towards the good and that tendency towards the evil. That tension between the light and dark. That's a human thing. And that resides within us. And, and here's the thing. Part of the gospel is that the Holy Spirit is essential in our lives as we face this inner struggle. And it's in this context that this morning we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you, would, if you would turn with me to, uh, we're going to have it on the slides as well, but turn with me to Galatians 5, and we're going to read from verse 16 about how the Spirit is the one who helps us to do away with the darker things, the hide stuff, and to help accentuate the good stuff in our lives. Help us to be the people that God created us to be. So before we open His Word, let's pray And we just ask for God's guidance as we we come around his word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Holy Spirit of God now, the one who uh, who, we know, Lord, that uh, all scripture is God-breathed. And and Lord, we ask now that you would be with us. Open our eyes to see, our, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, our minds to understand your word. Lord, you're the teacher. Come and be with your people and help us to grasp your word this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm reading from the uh, New Living Translation. Uh, and, and, and a couple of spots along the way, I'm just going to compare it with the NIV. So let's read from Galatians 5.16. Paul writing, So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Or as the NIV says it, walk by the Spirit. 
then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, spirit sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, or NIV, when you are led by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. So what's Paul talking about? Well, there are two forces constantly fighting each other within us. question right at the beginning for us to ponder is, which power will you belong to? Which power will you bow to? We all worship something. Which power will we bow to? Paul draws on this, this, this concept from his Jewish heritage of, of uh, walking. And the idea of the halak, the, the, the walk representing an ethical lifestyle, a way of... When I first became a Christian in the early 90s, you know, the, 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 we used to hear a lot the sort of thing, how's your walk going? How's your walk with Jesus going? It harkens back, I think, to this tradition of walking representing an ethical lifestyle of walking with God. And so he says you've got to walk with the Spirit, not your own way. Okay? So we're walking with the Spirit. And if we walk by the Spirit, then we're less likely to go astray and we're less likely to listen to bad advice. You heard that idea, eh? you are who you hang out with? Because you're hearing those voices all the time. So we're less, if we're with the Spirit, we're less likely to fall to bad advice, whether that's human advice, whether that's demonic, whether that's our own inner toxic sort of uh, thinking, or whether that's the voices from the surrounding culture. And this is an incredible ministry of the Holy Spirit that we see in this passage here. What we're seeing is that he guides us, he directs us, he, he leads us individually. He offers us personal guidance in our personal life circumstances as we live in active partnership. Pastor Sheridan has spoken about that this morning, in partnership with him. And we change and grow under his influence and touch. And so for the Apostle Paul, you see, he, he refers to the law down here in verse 18. For the Apostle Paul, the law was good. It wasn't bad. It was a gift from God. It was a gracious thing. But it was only ever intended as a temporary guide. We had a flat tire in uh, the family this week. And, you know, you get out the space saver and you put it on the car. That's good. It's going to help you go. But it's only a temporary tire till you get a decent one. Yeah. The law is a temporary guide till the better guide, the superior guide comes. That's the Holy Spirit. And now that we have the Holy Spirit, we don't need the law. It's been superseded. And so now I love the words of uh, Pentecostal scholar Keith Warrington. Here's what he says. Check out the idea of relationship and what he's saying here. Now instead of a one-size-fits-all guidebook, the Spirit comes as a personal mentor who prepares a strategy for development carefully tailored to individual believers. The Spirit is a guide, not a guidebook. Not simply a formula to be followed, but a friend. He's a mentor, not a modus operandi. So, so you know, so I, I can't come to you and say, oh, no, you can't do that because, no, 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 the Spirit's leading you and he's leading me. Now, there's a way in which we can hold each other accountable. We've got to be loving and forgiving. But there's a, there's a uniqueness, too, to, to walking in the Spirit. 
Now let's carry on, and if we can go to our next slide. Thank you, Mia. Let's carry on, uh, and let's read from verse 19. And let's read about the Mr. Hyde stuff, the darker stuff, and what Paul says there. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Then have a look at this next cluster of works. Imagine what that'd be like in a church. That's, what Paul's write, that's, that's the context in which Paul's writing. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. And we carry on. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then let's jump to verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus those who are walking in the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Have a look at that list. Selfish, destructive, uncontrolled stuff. This is the sinful nature. This is the Mr. Hyde stuff, the darker elements of our fallen nature. This is the Simon that I don't want to be that comes out every now and then. This is what happens when we walk a path apart from God. And the sinful nature destroys relationships, wrecks community, shatters unity, trashes holiness. You know, today there's that idea of, oh, sin, you know, you just want to spoil our fun. No, no, sin sucks. It destroys lives. That's why we've got to have a robust understanding to understand what Christ has saved us from. And so uh, Paul's picture of repentance here is graphic and it's brutal. What he's saying is that we take this Mr. Hyde stuff, our sinful nature, our wayward self, and we nail it. And we nail it to the cross. We crucify it. It's a nice way of saying we kill it. We let it die. It's got to die before it kills us. And flows out from us and kills others. So we, we get some control as we, we're led by the Spirit. So this is Paul's picture of turning our back on sin, a life of selfishness and, and, and all of that destructive behavior, turning our back on it and rejecting it ultimately and completely. One of my, my favorite authors uh, describes this passage. He says, because often, you see, we have these bad habits and we get used to them and they become protective measures. And they become things that we, they're false comforters. And what happens is we keep coming back to our old nature on the cross. And it's as if we want to take it down. And, and fondle it and caress it. And hold it close again. Because when you say no to it, it'll suddenly scream and not want to go. And so you come running back. And you want to caress it and hold it. But we actually need to learn to leave it here and let it die. This is the picture that Paul is bringing up. He's got to crucify it. So when jealousy rises up, or pride stamps its foot and demands to be heard, when, when anger rises up and, and wants to fill us with, with, with power, or, or, or lust wants to take control of us, we have to kick it out. We have to be absolute in our rejection. Don't entertain it. Don't rationalize 
all the works of our sinful nature nailed to the cross. So our pride nailed to the cross. Our rage nailed to the cross. Lust, lack of self-control nailed to the cross. And we leave it there. This is what uh, this is what Bible teacher John Stott. This is how he puts it. He says, "We have declared war on it. We're not going to resume negotiations. We have crucified the flesh. We are never going to draw the nails. It's got to die. It's a brutal picture, but that's what Paul's talking about." You know, um, we talk about the stresses over the last years. We have, we've, in our family, in our household, we've had three isolations since the end of February. And, uh, and in one of the isolations, and we've all got our own stories, you know. Um, and as, I, as I'm going through the first isolation, you know, you're dealing with the stress and how it's affecting the kids and stuff. And there was a moment where um, I probably wasn't handling stuff particularly well, and Rachel uh, forgot to do something, and I sort of, blew and sparked up and so we had this argument and by argument I mean I overreacted and she acted like a rational adult <laughs> and then we come down and we started to to you know apologize and, and reconnect and Rachel said I'm sorry and I said no you made a mistake with me it was a lack of character I'm sorry That part of Simon's got to die. That, 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 you know, no anger. Because, because that damages relationships. That doesn't honour. That's not loving. That's got to die. And then, but, but the Spirit offers this, this other way to be able to live. So let's read on. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. So let's look at the good stuff. So, so, we, so we nail this bad stuff to the cross. That's part of our repentance, and now we're walking in this new way of life. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives, this is what he produces. Love, joy, peace. Oh, what a different context this is. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. You don't have to restrict these things. Now, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Here's how the NIV puts it. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. In this past week, my first 15 coach from Hamilton Boys High, Mr. Skirman, Peter Skirman, passed away. And, um, you know, it just had me thinking, you know, he was a kind man. He was a gentle man. I was with him for three years. He was never harsh. I don't remember a single word spoken in anger. And in a school setting where teachers could be harsh or speak down to you, he always spoke to us as men. He was always respectful. He, he, he never spoke down to us. You know, and I remember him fondly. Kindness gentleness. He, he, he helped us. In his presence, we grew. You know, and my, my heart goes out to the skirm and whanau as they grieve the loss of, uh, of, of this beloved man. And then for us closer to home here, 
you know, in recent times, many of you, as you, as, you, as you entered through the doors at the back there, you would have come across a very tall man, the great smile who was very welcoming, and many of you would know him too in, in, in a much closer way, and that is our Richard Carter. And we, he passed away uh, in recent times, and we, we celebrated his life. And, and, and at the service, you know, you listen to the words that were spoken about him, the things that were said. These are some of the things that they said. He was a man who lived to serve others, known for his kindness. He had time for people, whether a CEO or a little child. Wow, what a quality. Reminds me of Rudyard Kipling's poem, if you could walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. You could be at home with anyone. It's Richard. And not only that, he was a safe man. He was a man of integrity. He was a good man and a good father. Beautiful man. Can we say that, you know, those of you who knew him. And so, you know, uh, so we think of you, Brenda, at this time. We love you and we pray God bless you. We think of Nathan and Lana and uh, the children and the family as you grieve the loss of this, this beloved man. But the fruit of the Spirit, the, 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 these, these were men that I encountered lives that, that had grown the fruit of the Spirit. And when you are around that, it's beautiful. The fruit of the Spirit are beautiful when you experience them in relationship, true? And these, these divine traits, they're not my striving. I don't grit my teeth and try hard. They're not the fruit of my efforts. They're the fruit of the Spirit. We can't produce them on our own. But the fruit come only as we submit our lives to the Spirit of God. We're not good at that, eh, submitting? Because we have rights and I have an opinion. But, but it's only as we submit and let the Holy Spirit lead us and fill us that we can actually grow and become the people we're meant to be. Poet and author Carl Sandburg says, there's an eagle in me that wants to soar and there's a hippopotamus in me that wants to wallow in the mud. <laughs> eagle, hippo. Jekyll, hide. Spirit, flesh, sinful nature. Which power will you belong to? Which power will you walk in? Which power will lead you? The sinful nature with all of its selfish and destructive capacities? Or the Holy Spirit who leads us into a life to be more like Jesus? And let me tell you, Fano, New Zealand needs to see a church that reflects the heart of Christ. They need to see Jesus in people. And this isn't a passive sit there and let the Spirit do His thing. It's not, uh, he doesn't do it all. It's not that sort of a thing. We are living by the Spirit. We are active in this. So the Spirit leads, but we walk. We live. And so it's an ongoing thing. So we need to keep up with Him. We need to keep in step with Him. We need to follow in His footsteps. We need to march to the beat of His drum. We need to keep to His standards. Finally, this is, this is how I've always understood this. We used to always pop into Chartwell Library and then we would walk across from the library to the shopping centre, right? And when the kids were little, 
I'd take their hands, and as we go to cross the road, I would say, right, now hold my hand and let's go together. You've got to keep in step with me. Don't, don't hang behind because we may miss the chance to go across. You hold everyone up. Don't take off ahead of me or don't run your own way. That's dangerous. But you hold my hand and keep in step with me. Don't do your own thing. You keep in step with me because I've got a plan when we cross this, this stretch, a plan once we get to that food center. You know, there's a good plan. You can't see it at the moment, but if you keep in step with me, trust me, know that I have your best at heart, then we'll get there. We've got to keep in step with the Spirit. The sinful nature is nailed to the cross. You've got to let it die. And that's part of that sanctification journey. You've got to let it die. But now, here's the beauty of it, because for so many of us, we have been in control of the sinful nature. Sinful nature goes, jump, and we go, how high, Master? Oh, and I wish I wouldn't get so angry, but it just happens all the time. And we're in thrall of it. But, but here's the beauty of the gospel. That can be nailed to the cross and it can die. And then, standing here free of that, the Spirit's saying, follow me, and He leads us. But I walk. I can walk in the Spirit. I can follow Him and I can leave that behind. But I've got to walk. I've got to follow His lead. There's power for us to leave behind those selfish, destructive, controlling habits and powers in our lives. Those things that you just can't seem to kick, that you keep coming back to, and you feel guilt, and you feel shame, and you just can't seem to break away. There's power to leave those things behind. That's why He came. He bore all of that. So you and I can be free to be the men and women that He created us to be. Not what the world has told us we are but to be the people that He longed for us to be. Beautiful, powerful, loving. So leave those old things. And do you know what they are? You know what they are. The Spirit's speaking to you as I'm coming around this word. You know what they are. Leave them here. Now to the cross. Let it die, crucified. And now we walk in the Spirit and we follow His lead. His fruit growing in our lives, becoming more loving, kinder, more patient. Who wants that? Acting with more self-control. And so there's a clear difference between being led in the Spirit and walking by the Spirit or keeping in step with the Spirit. The Spirit does the leading, but you and I, we do the walking. That's the partnership. The divine power leads you and I by our will. We walk in His power. We choose to follow His lead. We choose to walk with Him. And so He forms within us holy and selfless desires. He gently reveals the divine will in our lives. And we've got to yield to His direction and His control. But it's no mere passive submission. We're to walk actively and purposed. It's a choice to walk step by step as He guides and strengthens us along the way.